0: Welcome to the Podcast Kenya. We are your hosts, Andy Davies, Claire Earnshaw and Leon Weche. We are here to discuss all things training, nutrition, health and mindset. We aim to share knowledge through our own experiences and by interviewing local and international experts in their field. Our goal is to provide education and empowerment. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode five of the podcast and in this episode we're going to discuss how to set up an effective muscle building phase so we will cover training nutrition and cardio protocols as we've set up like how to do a fat loss phase and we've talked about uh, like the mechanisms of hypertrophy but not really how to set up I would say an effective muscle building phase because I think you can do it very poorly, uh, mm-hmm. where you're either not really building much muscle, or you're gaining a lot of body fat. Um, so hopefully, this will be useful.
1: Yeah. yeah so I think it's, a, it's also a common question. It, I, I don't know why, no matter how many podcasts we've done about programming, it, it's a very common one when it comes to muscle building. It's just people don't understand how to program muscle building. So,
0: well, I think people think that, you know, like if you're in a fat loss phase, you have to train like this, yeah, if you're yeah. in a muscle, you know, building phase, you know, it's going to look vastly different. Um, so, and you know, I understand where, not, where not they're coming do, from,
2: but on the whole, this is, I think this is where people get things wrong. with training from stock. They're trying to change it up too much. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everyone wants to do, you know, cycles or yeah. You know, we see like we see fancy stuff happening, but until you actually nail the basics on any one, yeah. You know, it's it's almost pointless changing. It's like you know, focus on changing, doing something well, but changing that rather than hopping here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No. Exactly. And. Be realistic with your time frame because building muscle takes a long time. And, you know, to be in like an optimal muscle building phase, you actually have to be relatively strict. I think a lot of people like, oh, you know, I'm eating what I want. I can be a bit (laughs) chill. But if you're being serious about it, you need to be, you know, just as on top of your tracking as if you were in a a fat loss phase and give yourself more time because it really does take a long time to build muscle and if you're getting upset that you're getting quote unquote fluffy and you keep doing mini cuts like every month that is not ideal either I mean there are certain you know if you're going into a like a year-long uh muscle building phase or even two years then you might want to do you know some mini cuts in there to help sort of with insulin sensitivity just bringing your body fat down a little bit uh but we will get into that but set yourself like a realistic time frame, I, right? you know, six, I would even say like six months plus, you know, if you're being really serious about it, and it will also depend, like, if you're a so called hard gainer, it's going to take you a long time. Um, so I don't know, what are your thoughts on that, gents?
1: Uh, no, I think that's a good place to start. It's the way you said, you'll find fat loss phase, day one, everyone's tracking everything cardio is up everything's up and then like muscle building phase it's like you know stop tracking stop uh focusing on tracking your training food it's it's i think the first wrong thing most people do when they're in between the two phases from cutting to building muscle yeah i think Any, i think
2: anyone who's ever done it promptly done a proper muscle building, growing season, off season, whatever you wanna call it. that it properly, finds it a lot harder than cutting. Yeah. You know, yeah. It is. Reducing reducing <laughs> calories is relatively easy, you know. You just gotta be quite, you know, strict with how you do it. And people as you said clear, you know, people don't take that strictness to the other the other end of the spectrum. What you do is, you know, they one they start off like that, and what happens is food volume just starts wearing them out. And anyone who's actually done it, they, you know, knows that sometimes your last meal can feel like it's taking you two hours <laughs> to, to eat. To, to <laughs> you know, and sometimes it, it's always taking you an hour to eat. You know, because <laughs> you just don't, you know, you don't really want to eat it. Um, but you know, and then what happens is they're like, oh, I can't eat all this food. I'm gonna start substituting. For calorie-dense foods, but we're not paying attention to protein levels or the blood glucose levels. And mm-hmm. In fact, you know what's happening is that we're, we're, you know, one, we are not actually growing muscle; we are just growing body fat. Yeah, and we are on a blood glucose roller coaster, so we feel tired and lethargic most of the time, or up and skitty. Too much blood sugar, so you know, there, you know. So there's also that health implication of doing it wrong as well. So I think you know, you're right. You've got to take a sort of methodical yep. approach, the same way you do with cutting, um, and it is harder because you know you've got to slowly increase calories and you got to be eating more, and you know it's hard work, and it does take a lot longer than cutting. Yeah, you, yeah, you. Know, you Get into re- you can get into contest shape in 20 weeks. You will not gain five pounds of muscle in 20 weeks. No. Unless you are genetically superior to the majority. Exactly. There are people out there who can, but, <clears throat> you, know, or, you know, young, young teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> <it>. you know, <laughs> the reality is, you know, you've got to give yourself a lot more time.
0: Yeah, and... It, there was a, a post on Instagram. I don't know if, if one of you sh- shared it, but it was like looking at um, Steve Cook. Uh, uh, what's his name? Panda. Simeon, Simeon Panda. And what's the other guy with dreads? Oh. Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah. And they're like, this was like four years ago or something. Like, what, what what's the difference between their pictures? And he was like, there is none. Because so many of these guys are always having to be in you know top top shape to be leaning you know for their sponsors for photo shoots so if you are someone who is constantly lean you ain't going to be building muscle so you know you've got to really sit down and have a chat with yourself because you are going to put on body fat I mean you don't want to put on too ma- much but you are going to put on some and that is necessary and inevitable so you need to be comfortable with that and again you know uh, if after four weeks you're like, ah, feeling fat going into a deficit you know you need to give yourself a good talking to so this is where doing a muscle building phase would be really beneficial to have a coach because you can second guess yourself and because you know like andy says it's quite easy to be in a deficit and you're seeing progress you know so mentally it's easier whereas in a muscle building phase it's not like you're seeing that definition of your muscles you're just seeing the scale go up pretty much so it can be very challenging mentally. And then also, which I think is such an important point that Andy brought up is the health. um, What is the word? You have just got to be careful of your health as well. And like, I wish I had done this when I was in my surplus phase was just checking blood glucose, because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you are pumping those carbs, you can become very insulin resistant and your blood glucose can just be high the whole time. So again, working with a coach so you're tracking your blood glucose can be really helpful and they can be the ones to help you with, you know, your carb cycling, things like that, and maybe when to pull back, maybe when is good for a mini cup. But first things first, set up a time frame for yourself with yourself or your coach. Mm-hmm. Make it realistic and you know, take it from there. So maybe let's yeah. start with like the training. Um yeah. and I don't think we should go into it in this podcast because we have a whole podcast on like the mechanisms of building muscle. Nah, yeah, cool. um, so you can go back and listen to that in the, in the show notes. I'll link the episode for that. But it is important to understand that mm-hmm. um, and like how to build muscle. And I think one of the most important things is that mechanical tension, the intensity, the, f- the sort of force that you're applying to your muscles. So that is, you know training with intensity and not doing a whole bunch of junk of volume
1: yeah i was i was going to say it might turn into a podcast of uh what not to do because <laughs> as you say that i just remember i i i loved volume and not not because i knew what volume was in relation to intensity it's because it was what i saw people do it's what magazines showed it's what when i went into the gym uh, we can call them my first training partners mentors it's like if it's less than four sets you're wasting time in the gym so when when you start you find you're just doing everything with so much volume it's i think before the podcast we we're just talking with andy how you know newcomers in the gym now it's especially like women. It's yeah, it's almost it leg and bum day every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every piece of equipment in the gym being used. Yeah, and you're doing every... You know, from leg extension, leg press, squats, and you you just end up... It, it reaches a point where your muscle is just... It's now accumulation of fatigue. Your Your muscle's tired. You've done... You've just put so much... The work capacity is so high. You're just accumulating fatigue and... I think that's the one mistake most people need to to stop. It's don't fear starting low and then building up the volume and intensity. Obviously, they go together. And there's nothing wrong with starting with one to two sets. And then as you go, just watch your recovery. Watch how you feel. Watch, You know, you can track your every month, just measure your... Your muscles, if if you can call it, and slowly, by slowly, just work on increasing your volume. Don't start and think you must do four.
2: I was going to say half the issue is when you're in a calorie surplus, you've got loads of energy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not like when you're deep into a car and you're t- a little bit feeling a bit tired and fatigued. And, you know, you wait for your D load to come up, <laughs> your yeah. for feed you to come up. You know, when you're in a surplus, you've got all this energy. And there is a you know almost a, you know a want to leave it all out in the gym but then you're over over training because you've got all this extra energy i'm gonna am feeling good today i'm gonna lift yeah. everything and and got everything and do everything but actually you know you're just wasting a lot of time and building accumulated fatigue yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah. and so once you've you know how To build muscle, so there's something called the Henneman size principle, which is quite useful to understand, and this basically states that motor units, um, and this always brings me back to like biology in my PT course, like what is a motor unit, (laughs) and it's basically a motor neuron that uh, innervates different muscle fibers. So Henneman size principle states that motor units are recruited in a sequential order, from small to large based on a recruitment threshold. So low forces will recruit low threshold motor units. And these Mm -hmm. are like, you know, muscles that you use every day, you know, like kind of for walking, Mm -hmm. daily tasks. And because you're using them every day, their potential for growth is kind of maxed out. So for hypertrophy, you want to be recruiting and stimulating those high threshold motor units. And to do that, you know, you want to be applying You want to be lifting heavy. You want to be going, well, I mean, people argue over whether you should go to failure, but regardless of that, you want to be training hard, like probably like RPE at least eight um, to do this because these motor units have the highest potential for hypertrophy. And then what is interesting is that these motor units control both slow twitch and fast twitch fibers. And this is where people make the mistake of they're like, oh, I've got to do higher reps yeah. to target those slow twitch fibers. But that's not gonna make any difference because it's the force threshold that is gonna stimulate this growth, not the reps. So it's an age old question, like what is the best rep range you know, for <laughs> muscle growth? And when you're thinking about that, you also need to take into account Recovery fatigue and your central nervous yeah. system fatigue. So, I think wrongly people assume that low reps, high load cause the most CNS fatigue, but in fact, research has shown that it's that high rep work, that high volume work that causes that muscle damage, you know, that a lot of eccentric training and that's what takes you a long time to recover from. So, if you've done a high volume session and you know like you've done four sets of everything leg day every day you know you are got your muscles are going to be damaged and inflamed your cns is going to be fatigued which means that those motor units ain't going to be recruited so you're not building muscles so you have to be very careful the type of training you do to either ensure that you get in enough recovery days or you choose a certain type of training that is not going to fatigue your cns So that is so, so important. So I usually like to program, I would say like between six to 10 reps. Um, This will depend, of course, because sometimes you do want to go into higher reps for something, some things you want to go to failure. And I find, you know, if if you I mean, if you're going for hypertrophy, you know, probably going for two reps, is not going to be, you know, the best. So that's generally quite an easy, sweet spot for most people to be hitting and I know, for, especially for women, it's so tempting to be doing 30-plus reps. But if you can learn to start keeping them between that 6 and 10, you're really going to be recruiting those high-threshold motor units. Um, so that's my, my saying on yeah, that. Yeah, you
2: know, one thing people will have to realise is, um, you know, one thing I think we need to address is the fact that most people listening to this don't even know where failure is. Yeah. So I could actually tell people listening, train to failure, and they would be they would think they're training to failure, but actually be hitting RPE eight. Mm. That's the reality. Unless you know because you know, you've got cardiovascular kind of failure, muscular failure and then mental failure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most people that either hit mental failure mental. or cardio failure before we ever hit muscular failure. Yeah. You, when doing especially high volume squats for instance, your heart And lungs want to stop before before your muscle does, and half the time, you know, people stop on the machine or lifting a dumbbell or whatever it may be because they think they're feeling fatigued.
1: Yeah,
2: and the reality is they stop early, and so I think when we're talking about you know getting close to failure, you know, RPE eight and above. That is actually we're talking about true failure, where you know even if I pulled a gun and put it to your forehead and to lift that weight, you physically couldn't do it. Yeah, you know, and that is what failure is. It's you know, it's like yeah, you know, I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna sh- shoot, you know, cut one of your fingers off for every time you don't do a rep, and you know, we have no fingers left because to cut that, you know, that is the reality of failure. You know, most people listen to this. Yeah, some may have reached failure, but there's gonna be a lot of people who think they reach failure or close to and actually don't.
1: Yeah.
3: So I think
2: sometimes with that sort of thing, train with someone who can push you to that limit, yeah. Just so you know where it is. You know? And until you know where it is, it's actually hard to then start thinking about, hey, I've got to just bring just take a slight step back because yeah, yeah. people who've never reached there take a step back but let get further away from where they should be you know yeah you know, they're not getting that load to recruit the, you know, the forces it needed to recruit those motor drivers
0: it, it is it is hard and it really does take practice and I think a lot of people are scared and I know no. some of my clients, they are. And I, I'll look through their weights. I'm like, oh, I, I know you can push more than that. And I set a, a figure, and they do it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't realize I could do that. But it's, and that's where like having an in-person PT can be really yeah. useful because you can judge like when someone can push a bit more. But you know, keep practicing it because truly, if you can master that art, rather than you know accruing a whole bunch of volume, you will be you know, that will be a, a more optimal state for building muscle. And, you know, that will let you like, I'm, yeah, I used to do four sets, five sets. Now I think three sets is cardio. Yeah. So, you know, you can, it will really depend, but like Leon said, like, you don't need to be, and, and you, Andy, just because you've got that energy, you don't need to be doing every single, you know, exercise under the sun, like, have, you know, you don't need to even train five days a week. You know, set up an appropriate um, program for yourself four or five days, just depending on your, on your split, your goals, kind of what you want to focus on. And, you know, take it from there. And just, you know, train, train hard, train yeah. really hard and have, you know, good rests between your sets, like two to three minutes. Don't be doing your 45 second work unless that's a very specific phase that you're doing. But in general, have, you know, have good rest, and prioritize your recovery because that's where you know all the muscle building is actually going to be happening and that's where you know you you need to program it program smart so that you're not you know your cns is not getting fatigued
1: yeah it's like um some clients and uh, a lot of people i have talked to for a long time it's like you know they show you your program uh, their program. And it's like, uh, or even just doing check-ins and it's maybe, you know, three times 10 to 12 and they've written there, yeah, I did all three sets. I managed a good, you know, 12. And that's where now you, as a coach PTO, you know, as a professional, you can see, it's like, if you did all three sets, it's where even just, even if you just train yourself, you have to think I was able to do all three sets for 12, which means, you know, they, they weren't really challenging. They were, you know, they were okay. Like, like you said, RP yeah, could be seven, eight, but it's where now I guess your logbook comes in and you're like, okay, I did three and I did 12. Then you start thinking differently and you're like, you know, maybe I can add a kilo half a kilo and push and see if I'm able to progress more on this weight and I I guess maybe some people are scared but I I usually like to use that where it's like if you can do 3 sets and you're sticking to that rep range and you feel like okay maybe it was challenging maybe it was all right then it might be time for you to push you know even if it's a kilo too And you can use that as a, like a parameter to just gauge how hard you're training.
2: I I would say a good rule of thumb there, over three, if you do three sets, the first two could have the same amount Mm -hmm. of reps. But your last one should actually have, you know, should be dropping off. Yeah. You know, you should be like getting, you know, find it harder to lift all 12. So, you know, it may look like it's 12, 10, 8. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. because actually you're hitting failure earlier because you're, you yeah know, you're getting accumulated fatigue from the other two
3: yeah
2: and that's something you know I always see in my own reps and I tell clients don't expect and also depending on which way around we've done the training or the exercises don't always expect to hit the same amount of reps on every set and you know that's you know you should be it's thats why there's a rep scale yeah. you are know, you're, you're aiming to at worst, hit that number. At best, hit that number. If you hit that, the best number all the time, it means you need to put weight up mm-hmm. or add the rep. You know, it's, you know, because you want to see that, you know, that tailing off. You, know, you
0: need yeah.
2: to know that you're actually working. You know, I always say, you know, and I've discussed this before with people, you know, when you are getting close to failure, your reps will slow down. Yeah. <laughs> every single one of songs reps look the same it means you are you know, quite far from failure so if for instance you've got 12 you know, three sets of 12 and every single time you're hitting 12 with the same tempo yeah it means that you are not anywhere near you you know the should we go? your last couple of reps should be like Slowing down, you know, you should see as the, as the set goes on, where it just slows down.
3: Yeah. Your
2: last one should be, you know, a, a grind. <laughs> yeah. And yeah.
1: Just don't be married to the numbers. If you yeah, yeah. Feel, yeah if it says, you know, as a coach you've read, uh, we we write and it's like we give you a rep range, but you can hit eighteen. Yeah. Then that sends yeah. feedback to us like, oh, you uh, know. Good stuff. Now, now we know. Now we can adjust and move forward. So
2: well, you just wait. Yeah, it's the thing. Like for me, and this happens all the time to me. You know, yeah. and I know it happens to others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just stronger than others, mm-hmm. so you get in and you go to do the first set, and you go, oh, you know, you meant to be going ten to 12, yeah. or 8 to twelve, and you get in past twelve and you are doing fifteen. But you know, with me, I just keep keep going. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's a, a, a big lesson I personally learned because I was married to numbers. If I reach 12 and I've, you know, so chest press, it says 12, I've gotten to 12. That's it, I'm done. Add the weight and then I'll do, you know, the 10 thinking, oh, you know, five sets of 12, 10, 8, 6, whatever. And and yes, some, some people volume works, but you also want... be able to train hard you can use a volume doesn't need to be up to failure but being married to the numbers just you're not really pushing that that hard because you you're just going through the motions you know 12 oh i did 12 let's go 10 so it's uh i'd say a lot of people that's a mindset they need to get out of stop being married to the numbers just use them as a guide yeah i think that's that's a good
0: one and then you know, there's a certain muscle part that you really want to grow, if it's your legs or glutes. You don't need to train them every day. <laughs> you don't need, calves. You don't need to train them every day. Like, yeah. I think like an upper-lower split is great, or a five-day split, like that push-pull legs upper-lower, or yeah. a push-pull legs is really good. Um, making sure you're getting an adequate rest days, and, you know, yeah, working a lot on your strength as well. Um, yeah. And... You know, you don't, just because you're in a, like a muscle building phase, you don't have to throw every single technique at your training program. So you don't always have to be doing drop sets, rest pauses, cluster sets, all these kinds of things. Like, again, this is where having a coach is useful. You can have different phases. And I think, you know, like I really like the rest pause and cluster sets. I think those are really effective. Um, but yeah, just don't throw everything at it. <laughs> all at once i mean the more advanced you are it is going to be harder and harder and then you might need more advanced techniques to elicit the growth but mm-hmm. above all that your rec- recovery your recoverability is the most important thing because if you can't recover you're not going to be maxim maximally recruiting all those motor units for hypertrophy
2: mm-hmm. here's the thing like rest pause is one of the most flexible intensifiers i use it even when I don't intend to use it, so yeah. like I say when trying to range close to failure, those two last two reps—if if you know—if I'm a couple of reps short, say of my target uh, rep range, I'll just throw in a rest pause to yep. get two more reps out. I mm-hmm. will just feel like oh, I'm just going to rest pause and try and s- yeah. see how many reps I can add to this, just so I know I'm taking it as close to failure as as, as I can. You mm-hmm. know, without let's say hitting failure. Yeah. So you know, it's like okay, i will so right down. Count down ten seconds or twenty seconds, and I'm gonna go again for two
1: to five. Or yeah, yeah also, that's a good one. Yeah. Also, I think uh, since we're on, you know, the topic of if you're struggling to grow a body part, I think start with that Ooh. body part you're struggling with because uh, this is, like I said, it's, it's one of those podcasts. It's like things not to do. <laughs> I I always would use the excuse of yeah. you know calves are never gonna grow and on stage, the judges don't care. So you always put it at the end of your logbook like you'll do the calves, yeah. and you throw in one, two useless sets and you say you've done your calves. And it's also a thing I've seen with people, arms and even legs. And you find people end with, because it's the hard part and you've already told yourself uh, mentally, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't want to grow. You you don't put in that 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 much work as compared to the other body parts that are your how do you, like your powerful body parts. your gen, genetically yeah. where you're genetically blessed. So I'd say start with the body parts you're struggling to grow. Yeah. When I think you it's, have, it's one of
2: those things where yeah, you get yeah. excited about where you can see growth, yeah. And where you can't see growth. Yeah. The other night I got the worst calf cramp in my right leg. Right. But the next day, it's a jacked, the only one, you know. You're like, just stay so there. basically, <laughs> the answer there is to just have really bad cramp. Yeah. Like, you know, um, just before you get on stage. No, um, <laughs> yeah. but, then you're right, it's, the problem is with calves, is if you put up too early in the leg session, it does affect everything. fricasse. It does. Because, yeah. you, you know, we do get tight quickly, or get domzy quickly. Big time, big... You know, um...
1: And that's where now it, it just makes your leg day harder. Like. So you just got to find a
2: sweet spot. I, I agree with you. Don't pull it. Leave it till the end of your workout. Yeah, yeah. You, you can put a calf, you know, press at the end of your workout or something. But mm-hmm. have another calf exercise yeah. in the middle of your what, workout, like yeah. you do with everything else. you know you start say if you're doing all legs, you might start with, you know. Ham curl, you know, line leg curls, like just to warm the knee uh, up. Yeah. You might have, you know, first pressing movement. You can then stick in a calf, then go to an extension. or mm-hmm. you know, a yeah. you know, we'll walking lunge and finish on the calf. You yeah. know, but if you do that many exercises, then look at how many sets of each you're doing, because yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah, you, you may want to hit every part, but don't forget, frequency will allow you to to get you know that spread over a week rather than just trying to do it all in one session
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and then i guess also mentally when you're in the gym you know your first exercises are where you're also mentally and also in terms of energy and energy storage you're feeling you know you're ready and then if you're training hard or if just as long as you're training you're using up energy and it gets less and less so i think It's just something yeah you can, you can use in the beginning. It's like you said, if you have trouble growing arms, start off throwing a bicep, maybe a tricep, then as you go along in the middle.
2: Just add a bit more frequency on that. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you could do, as I've said before, push, pull, legs, rest, upper, Mm -hmm. lower, Mm -hmm. right, rest. But you can also do upper-lower rest, upper-lower, accessories day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And have arms on every single upper and yeah. accessory day. You know, arms recover quickly, you know. It's, yeah, you can change your way up just to get a bit more frequency. Yeah. You know, I do, you know, I'm probably, what I intend to do at the moment is do push-pull legs, rest, push-pull legs, rest. My nice, yeah, yeah. And then every few weeks have a week off.
1: Oh yeah, no we right.
2: <laughs> you know, like this week's. Yeah, this week's turned out to be a. Yeah, you know, as I said to Leon before the show, mm. it's turned out to be a deload week just by circumstance. Yeah. Mm. Busy, so I've taken it as a deload week. But yeah, you know, and you need that because I'm you know, essentially training six days a week. Mm-hmm. but Some days I throw in an extra rest day depending on how my body feels. Yeah. But yeah. it means like you know I'm getting a lot more arm working, mm. and you know, and I think that's been important for me. Mm. um so genetically have you know biggest arms. Yeah. You know, about, know yeah. why, Eighteen inches. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you know, it'd be better if it were twenty, but yeah. you know, all. But um the reality is, yeah, so you just gotta do it what you can. But yeah, I, I agree with Leon as well where putting you, the thing you struggle most with at the beginning of a workout to make it the priority.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: As long as it doesn't affect the rest of the session. The, yeah. And certain things will do that. You know, sometimes if you start with some bicep curls before a yeah, pool day, yeah. it can affect everything. It you know, <laughs> well, can affect your grip strength, mm-hmm. through to, your,
1: you your know, numbers you actually, will change. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: You know, I'm actually quite good now on pool day. I mean, this is why my back's good and my arms are rubbish, if I'm not recruiting arms into pulling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it does mean I've got to really focus on the arm exercises. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I'm doing
0: them. Yeah, or you do, like, I've done this before, is like on a, if you're doing like an upper lower split on like a lower day, you could do some, you know, bicep work.
1: Yeah. I, I like and that. then, like, the next
0: day, you know, you'd be doing like a heavy push, but a light pull, so that if you do yeah. get any doms from your biceps, that's hopefully not going to interfere. So, you know, just because it's a, a leg day or an upper body day doesn't mean you can't throw in, then, you know, like, you know, you could do some calves on, upper body day or something like that yeah, um, yeah and
2: that's the thing it's it's one of those things about gauging fatigue and gauging rest yeah which comes a bit more with experience but i must admit i've never massively had doms in my biceps triceps i get doms in my triceps all the time or i just generally get a sort of tightness in my arms where i yeah. can't straighten them but I don't massively <laughs> get that from biceps yeah. you know my triceps i hit well i just think one my biceps just Cover a lot smaller muscle group, mm. so it doesn't take so long to recover.
1: Yeah,
2: um, unlike the bigger ones. So I think it's yeah you know, I can get away with throwing in
1: More. biceps
2: into yeah. something else. You yeah. Know. Also,
1: yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a point. Is also <laughs> there's you know people think I must train between Monday to Sunday. So I think the way we're doing upper lower push pull legs. To some people it's like It's very Yeah, confusing. People love
2: having a day for something Oh today's yeah. chest day <laughs> Like I don't work like that anymore And yeah. I haven't for years Because it's like for me It's like I I just focus on How fre- mm-hmm. frequent can I hit a body part a week
1: And I think That's that, more
2: important to me now
1: Yeah I think that That's uh, like the point I was trying to think Think more frequency And not really like Oh Monday it's leg day Man my knees are paining But it's leg day I have to do uh, Legs It's like it's a sign your legs might might not be recovered yet. You know, nothing wrong pushing them to Tuesday.
0: <laughs> yeah, or doing your upper first. Or I do- think just being able to auto-regulate your workouts. Mm. You know, even if you have a coach, like if someone, one of my clients is like, oh, I couldn't, you know, I had to do legs today, but they were really sore. You know, I'd be like, you know, you, you, you can auto-regulate yeah. and, you know, be autonomous, even if you have a coach, and I think that's... I always say, if you need either. an extra
2: rest day, we just write an extra rest day. And if you Thinking. feel
0: really beaten up one
2: week, like, you know, so, you know, I know I've spoken about this before, yeah. The way I've set a lot of my training plans up now is they're progressive in various intensity. So the last two weeks, week eight and nine, before the last deload, mm. actually pretty intense, lots of strip sets and things, yeah.
3: you
2: know, um... That I take people. you can take off rep, and we can take out sets because those sets are so intense. You don't need to do as many. Yeah. We can take out exercises because what you want to do is
0: you can only train as much
2: as you can recover.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, that's, know, that's a fact. Should be a t-shirt.
1: Yeah, I know as it's well. Just, just
0: recoverability.
1: Yeah, just yeah. because it says leg day or chest day or upper, and you feel. You flip it up? I do it all
2: the time. I'm always flipping stuff. Oh yeah. Because like, if I wake up and my knees are hurting, I'm like, I'm just going to do shoulders. Yeah. Do yeah. you a know, push session. Yeah, because shoulders are a priority for me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um. So therefore, I'm like, I'll just flip it around. I'll hit some more shoulders to there, do legs to mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, say shoulders to all push as well,
1: chest. Yeah, I've been, it's the way you said, I've been Um. I've been starting with calves and adductors. Ooh. And it's just like you said, by the time I'm doing the squats, oh man, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm starting to miss. I feel like bit
2: exhausting though. You, you, yeah. you know, I, I do this yeah. on push day. I, yeah, I get all my shoulders hit first. Yeah, it's my priority. However, mm. it does mean mm. all the pushing. So yeah. when I get to do like a chest the press chest. movement, I'm not using my shoulders for it because they're already fatigued. I, I yeah. have to recruit more chest fiber yeah. to push that load. So there's less chance of actually trying to recruit some shoulder
1: fibers to yeah, assist. Yeah.
2: So in that sense, like, say there, by nuking your adductors and right. uh, calves, it means when you actually get on to, say, a leg press or something, it's all. It's quad. All, all.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's different, but yeah. That's just an example, prime example right there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think earlier, Andy, you brought up such a good point, like before you hit muscular fatigue, it's often cardiovascular fatigue. Mm. And this is where we can talk about cardio and how you can incorporate cardio into your training because it is really important. And if you do it right, it can help you build muscle because it is so good at helping you with recovery, which is absolutely crucial for hypertrophy Mm -hmm. so what you want to be doing is building up your aerobic base so a lot of training is anaerobic in nature um and we have a whole podcast on the energy system so it might be good to refresh yourselves on that because it is quite important so anaerobic is basically without oxygen um and your aerobic training is sort of less less intense training um where you're, you're using oxygen and mainly glucose for fuel. Um, whereas anaerobic, as I said, without oxygen and you are using, well, depending on which system, but either like creatine, um, the creatine phosphate, or you'll be using sort of a, a mix of fats and glucose. So it's, if you have a pretty poor aerobic system, you're going to be hitting what we call your anaerobic threshold pretty quickly. So your anaerobic threshold is the intensity level of your exercise, after which your body slowly starts to accumulate lactic acid and your performance goes down. Yeah. And so if you have a good aerobic base, you're, you're going to hit your, it's going to take more reps, more weight to hit that anaerobic threshold and the anaerobic threshold is very costly Mm energy-wise for your body because afterwards you're going to be using that aerobic system to come back to homeostasis so if that system is robust a you're going to be able to live more for longer Mm -hmm. and b you're going to recover quicker which is what we want and the best well the best zone for that is the zone two, and that's where you build and accrue all the aerobic benefits without um getting too mu- putting too much metabolic stress on your body <clears throat> and For most people, that's generally between like one twenty one fifty heartbeats per minute, mm. and you know you can do anywhere from like i mean like two sessions a week you know thirty thirty forty five minutes is really good. And what people get wrong is they're not actually in zone two. Zone two is difficult because it, it feels pretty easy. <laughs> it should feel pretty easy. You should feel like you can be doing this. I mean, and-, thing. <laughs>
2: and- you're right there, it does. And I always say, clients don't often be, you know, understand this, is when I put my cardio <laughs> in, I only put three sessions, yeah. but at a heart rate of 120. Like one thirty, You don't really yeah. want to be going much higher because you're want to knock yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the fact is, it's like a, a you know a brisk walk, slightly rigid, brisk walk with a slight, maybe slight incline. Yeah. You know, and it's a fact that if your heart rate starts climbing, just drop your incline down or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Slow it down. Yeah. You know, it's the reality is you know you just want to be you don't want to accumulate fatigue, fatigue. cardio as well
1: exactly it's all about
2: fatigue management so when i say to clients we're going to do three sessions a week half hour session but i don't want your heart rate going above 130 it's so like 120 or 130 is the spot where we, we go we just want to keep it so it's double your resting heart rate mm-hmm. but not much more we don't want to accumulate. yeah, as i say it's all about fatigue management all of this is about fatigue management generally Yeah. And and cardio is important, you know, in the off season. A lot of people don't realize what you want to do is it helps you increase your hunger so you can actually finish your meals. Mm -hmm. It also helps your instant sensitivity, you know, um, and various, you know, helps you manage, you know, helps you manage blood glucose. It helps you, you know, manage, you know, as you said, the energy. Usage and lymphatic systems and everything else. So, you know, it, it's not a case of oh, I'm in the off season, I'm just drop all cardio. It's like no, you just keep the cardio going. One, it's not. you know, we don't use cardio lose weight anyway on JumpPod. Yeah. It is there under cardio, as in heart health. Yeah, <laughs> you want to always. It's got benefits in in, in growing and in cutting. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So don't. Yeah. Don't don't neglect it and. But yeah, don't don't overdo it. Just because yeah. you're finding it easy, I think, especially for women, they're like, "Oh, what's the point of this? It's easy." But you know, keep 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 in that zone. It's really it's not really meant good. To punish you? No, like, it's not, yeah. that's
2: what people realize. It's not about punishment. It's about doing something that's going to benefit you rather than punish you. You know, yeah. People get this exercise mentality where exercise is punishment, yep. and then they start hating going to the gym because it's just constant brutal ons, you know, assault that you know, they've done to themselves and they're like, oh no, you know, no pain, no gain well, all you're doing is you're knackering yourself out, you're going to get flu or cold because your immune systems in the toilet you're going to be grouchy, angry because you know, you're know you tired all the time you start, you know, it's about finding that nice spot where you get a lot of enjoyment out of the gym, you hit your endorphins you do what you need to do and it fits into the rest of your
1: life yeah which is it's, it's a hard mindset to change for a lot of people they believe cardio yeah. should be gruesome or well,
0: they just train. associate it with fat loss so yeah. That's, and that's yeah that's the problem the that's the issue especially
2: with yeah. guys yeah
0: especially a lot of competitors
1: <laughs> yes yes
2: it's like oh
1: yeah stretch that if you doing
0: cardio yes. like, well, one hour cardio on day one <laughs> yeah and it's yeah. you can like so I mean, zone two—it truly is for most people the best place to be. And you know, a bit of zone four or five, which is true hit H I I T training. Mm-hmm. Depending on like how you're feeling and some of your goals, you could put in one of those sessions a week. Yeah. Um, because again, that that helps with like your 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 speed and your power.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and it will, you know, it does have you know, it can have carryover effects into your training. But the main thing is, again, you've got to recover from it. And the good thing about being in a muscle building phase is your nutrition, you're generally in a surplus. So your nutrition has to match the cardio that you're doing as well. And then you've got to pay attention to when you're doing your cardio. So you w- you want to separate it from your, your main training session. Mm-hmm. Don't do it before. Um, you know, generally, you know, if it was just steps, you could do it after, not a after. problem. But if you were doing, like, a zone 2 or anything higher than that, you know, if you're keeping it, like, five hours apart, that's 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 pretty yeah. good.
2: So with, like, the HIIT type stuff, I always think some clients that are like, hey, you know, I've always done classes, I enjoy them for the social aspect, can I keep them going? I always say, keep one in. You know, use it as a one of your, you know, use it as a hit cardio session mm. once a week. Do, do your training in the morning, do that in the evening, but purely from a social perspective because, you know, if you've made friends in most classes, it's nice. Yeah. We can adjust calories to allow for that, you know, and that's fine. You know, we'll just put, you know, keep a bit more food in. You know, it's it's great, you know, but problem with, like, something like that, as you're saying, like, a lot it could be spin class, for instance. They are fatiguing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it's... You know, I would only suggest doing it necessarily when you've got a rest day the following day. So try and time it so it falls just before your rest day.
0: Yeah, that's... Because a lot of those classes are like a Zone 3, you know, like F45, Orange Theory, whatnot, a a Zone 3, where you're not actually getting the benefits of Zone 2 and you're just accruing a lot of metabolic stress. So, you know, a lot of people who do those kind of classes, they don't change, and that's why. Um, So, yeah, like I said, make sure you have a rest day and then... Yeah, get your nutrition in accordance with that. So, which probably needs...
2: F45 and all those ones. Great for socialisation and she has a cardio session for fun, but not actually improving your physique necessarily. Depending if if your goals are purely physique-based, F45 or even CrossFit, you will struggle with having without tailoring it specifically to your needs
3: yeah
2: you will struggle to make it work but if you are someone who needs to have that social element go go, yeah. go, out go do it so know,
3: yeah. Yeah. Which,
0: yeah which i think leads us into nutrition um so
2: i i just want to say something on this i with most of my clients will take um to a fat loss phase just before doing a gaining phase, and I do this a lot to get like utilize a rebound principle, which is essentially just making really insulin sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, reducing insulin resistance. So I tend to do, even if they're relatively lean to start with, we'll do a couple of weeks just lower calories just to. Mm we can then start building from there, and we'll see. Like, the best time, and this is where competitors get it wrong, best time for someone to grow is straight after competition. Hit the gym, you, you know, I always say you're better off hitting the gym immediately after competition the following week, having two weeks at the gym, then having a week off. A
1: week off, yeah. And
2: doing what you want, because your body will benefit more from it. Mentally, it's harder, you know. Mentally, oh, you probably want the rest But, <laughs> The fact is, being that, you know, having that, you know, real instant sensitivity, and your body wanting to grow, is very beneficial. Yeah,
0: Yeah. no, I think that's really interesting. But um, yeah, it will again depends on
2: clients and health and if you all of that.
0: But it's and that's where it's useful to be tracking your blood glucose. Um, so that you can see. So, you know, if your you know blood glucose is terrible and you want to go into a yeah. gaining phase, that might not be a good idea. Um, and again, like going into a gaining phase doesn't mean you need to add 500 calories from the get-go. And, you know, for most women, I would say like a very moderate surplus, like a couple of hundred calories is absolutely fine. Um, because often people take too much too fast and just put on a lot of body fat. So, you know, obviously make sure you found your maintenance, you know, if, depending on you, if you need to do like a fat loss phase before to help with your insulin sensitivity. Um, And then just, you know, start slow, like add in a couple of hundred calories, um, you know, and take take it from there. And generally keep protein the same. And then that increase, it will depend on you, but from your fats um, and or or carbs. And again, a mistake people make is now they start eating all the junk food, all the processed food. It's hard to eat like over 250 grams of unprocessed carbohydrates like rice and potatoes, but your body composition and your health will be so much better. So if you can try to keep it, as unprocessed as you can, that's great. And obviously that Again, can be impossible, but, you know, having like, you know, the odd bit of cereal and, you know, things like that is fine. But in general, you know, thing is, it's that.
2: digestion related yeah. now. And I say this to people, it's, it's great having processed food because it tastes amazing. Yeah. But <laughs> it's not good for your digestion. And then what happens is this, you know, you having increase food volume that you can't digest well it's going to lead to bloat and bloat long term is just going to distend your stomach so even when you do look leaner it's not going to massively look you know you've changed actually the shape of your stomach just by constantly shoveling crap food in there that you can't digest so i always say to everyone find foods that you digest well like there's this myth that you know sweet potatoes are really good for you and they are there with the health benefits of them but we also have a lot of sugar alcohol and for a lot of people we really do struggle to digest that mm-hmm. you know so yes on paper there's a lot more fiber and it's you know glycemic index number is that uh, lower than the potato but the fact is if you can't digest it that doesn't actually make a blind bit of difference Yeah, a bit like whole grain rice if you can't digest yeah Whole-grain rice, it's not better for you. It's, you know, and this is a reality. It's like, if you can digest white rice, it's in and out of your system nicely, you've got great bowel movements, you aren't bloated after eating, you know that's a good carbohydrate source.
3: Yeah.
2: White potatoes, great carbohydrate mm-hmm. source because they also have potassium in and potassium with the right amount of sodium helps prevent water retention. Yeah. So therefore you know we're looking at things we can digest well Mm. you know things like lactose and uh, gluten breads and things you know lactose and milks for the majority of people are crap for digestion
3: Yeah,
2: some people are great some people aren't there's various degrees of this on the spectrum so it's about finding yours where you sit on that and you know what does that mean to you so going out and having a you know, Burger King or something, you know, where you're shoveling down highly processed, you know, lots of fats and oils, which are from various sources, you know, but various sources of burgers,
3: mm.
2: you know, your digestion's going to be, you know, not optimal. And I think that's also one of the reasons to keep cardio it, it does aid digestion. You know, you can only, what's it, you are what you eat uh, digest and don't secrete
3: <laughs> you know
2: it's you know you're only good as good as a food you actually can digest, digest
3: probably
2: yeah. you, know, you know let out your body so that your muscle will only grow if those protein sources are digested well and you get every ounce of protein out of that um, food and hence why you know, you've got to look at your protein some people don't digest red meats as well some people don't you know so you look at you know what about fish you know, do you digest fish better? You know, what you want to be is looking when after every meal a, few, a couple of hours after are you still bloated? Yeah. There's always a bit of bloat after a meal because you know, of your digestion. It's, yeah, you put food in your stomach, it's going to grow. But two hours after that should have subsided. Three hours after you should almost be ready for another meal.
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, so you know, plan it, plan it well, like, with the foods that you normally eat, you'll just be eating more of them, and then this is where, you know, like, we talked in our, like, pre, peri, and post workout episode, you know, if you're struggling with carbs, that's where intra-workout carbs can be really good, and that's where you're going to be using most of them, so, you know, having an intra-workout drink, you know, it doesn't fill you up, but you're getting in a lot of easy-to-digest carbs, so... If you're struggling, that's a really good place uh, to increase your carbs, and then I would say to practice carb cycling, or just you know your your nutrient timing of your carbs, just because you know you you probably will be trying to push carbohydrates because they are the best thing for your performance, mm-hmm. you know. So trying to get the majority of them around when you're training and going to be more insulin sensitive will be really useful for you, and and then like on the days that you're not training you could look about you could look to lowering them and I think on 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 top of that like it would be worth investing in like a glucometer so you can really see what is going on Um, and then if you have a coach they can help you sort of interpret that and like know when to pull back the carbs and know when maybe to give you a little mini cut, if you might need one. I mean, this probably won't be for a couple of months. Like, you want to give, you know, you want to be eating in this surplus for a while. Um, and then, you know, tracking everything. Because, you know, just because you're not in fat loss, you can still be tracking, especially in a surplus, to make sure that you're getting in enough. Because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you're going to have to override your satiety <laughs> signals from your body. Like Andy said at the beginning, you're like, gets to that last meal, and you're like, ugh you're full, so you've, you know, it, it is good to track, and you know, and, and then again, to make sure that you're not putting on too much body fat.
2: Yeah. yeah. maybe um, your food as well, like, you know, I remember t- talking to you guys before, I had to go to chicken mince at one point, because mm. my jaw was just getting so sore from chewing chicken all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I was getting like jaw doms. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I had to go to like mincing chicken, you know, and that was fine with me, you know. It digests a lot better, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the thing it's like understanding, you know, because it is going to be a long term thing. We're talking growing is a not never ending if you are someone who's looking to grow, that becomes a never ending cycle. Right? Yeah. yeah, a couple of cuts in there, then go back to growing. Like, we're talking years, yeah, yeah. So, you need to find ways of being able to keep going. Eating, and as you add more muscle, you eat more food. Mm You know, so you always need to be able to look for foods that you can digest, but also variations. So you're not just eating the same food for years on end. So yeah, Yeah. you get bored quick.
0: Yeah, get in your micronutrients as well. That can be easy to overlook. You know, no one wants to be eating like loads of veggies because they're pretty low calorie for a lot of volume. But you know, try and get those in as well. Um, you know fruit fruit's great because you throwing fruit in a
2: big bowl of oats and protein you know you get a bit of fibre out of it but actually you have a little bit of sweetness and you know it digests well yeah for, you know for bang for buck you, know, you throw some berries in you, you're laughing really
1: yeah I can never
2: get bored of fruit
0: yeah there's so many <laughs> different so many different so many, so, different types. So, so yeah. many varieties
2: it's yeah. very hard unlike vegetables you, you know there is a massive amount of variety of vegetables but people but, yeah, like you, to stick to what they yeah like. you stick to yeah you stick to but also <laughs>
0: like again you said it once you digest like i wouldn't in a building phase i wouldn't be eating huge salads
2: i would be eating broccoli <laughs> uh, ever. Oh, oh. i've decided like broccoli i don't mind tends to broccoli but no one digest broccoli well i don't care what anyone says it's a high sulfurous food i don't know which cause can cause bloat for a lot of people
0: yeah gasping i'm okay with small amounts you, yeah. you know that they are a, a high FODMAP food so you can eat certain amounts it depends on you but generally cooked vegetables are easier to digest so you know you, if you enjoy salads you can actually make those quite calorie dense um but just watch how you digest them um you know going for nutrient dense foods is the way you know so I find often it often it can be quite easy to go over on your fats just because, <laughs> you know, you can really go on, like, your olive oil you or do. your nuts. It's you a coconut milk and something. Coconut milk, <laughs> yeah. Try almond, handful of almonds and something when you're
2: done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All that. So, well, I mean, well. I think just, yeah, white rice is such a great source of carbs because it it's so easy to digest and it is high in carbs. Um, like, yeah, with potatoes and root veggies, they're amazing, but you have to eat a lot of them. So just you'll come up with ways to make it work for you and then your meal frequency throughout the day you'll see what works best for you in your digestion um but do utilize that pre peri and post workout you know sort of training window to to really utilize your carbs effectively the good thing
2: about uh, being in surplus is being able to push your essential fats higher i think a lot of people where we've been cutting they really don't get enough of, you know, the essential fats in, I think, well, actually one of the first things I put up is for fats, and I always say to clients, these aren't just fats, we're talking primarily, your fat should be coming from essential fats, even in the off-season, keep to lean meat cuts, Mm. and add the oil back in via a nut oil, or olive oil, or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, plus, you know, throwing in some fish oils, supplement but because the extra cardiac protection and the health benefits of these are, you know supersede everything else yeah. so therefore by pushing those up it means you can reduce food volume quite a bit but you know as we said before the training keeping your carbs around those training windows will be still of the most benefit even in the off season
0: mm-hmm. yeah so, you know, track your biofeedback, check how your energy levels are doing. Like if you're starting to, yeah, get really sluggish and lethargic, you could be becoming insulin resistant. So that's where it'd be good to do your, you know, <clears throat> your blood glucose, both fasted and also postprandial. And yeah, you could, I mean, as usual, get, getting blood work done will never hurt just to see how, see how you're doing. Because sometimes, yeah, going into a cut can improve certain markers. Um and yeah, I think, you know, just just have patience with it. It really does take time. I mean, I would say it's way like you've both said, it's so much harder than a deficit. It is. Because you're just not seeing you're not seeing yeah. those changes, but you've got to, you know, train hard, recover hard and be, you know, be smart with, with your nutrition.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I say with gaining those pre pre photo is super important. Get a photo when you start six months down the road. Compare photos after your first mini cut and compare like where you started to because it's the only way you'll ever see a difference. Mm. You know, do this with clients, so like oh, I don't feel like I'm growing at all. You go, i well, have a look at this photo, have a look at this. Yeah, three pounds heavier, but in the same condition. That's where you started from. This is where you are now, so you know. You know, it, it, because that can be spread out across the body. It's not like you know you get like five pounds of muscle growth just on your shoulders or yeah. just <laughs> in your biceps where you can see it automatically. Yeah. It's often it's going to be spread out across. If the training's done properly, it'll be spread out across everything. Yeah. So you won't see any big things, but what sometimes you just need to be able to compare because it can look vastly different when you actually start really looking at it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's that's important. <clears throat> so do. Yeah, do track all your metrics just as you would in a in a fat loss phase. I mean, you do have a bit more flexibility, so enjoy that. Um, but you know, try you know you want to stay as healthy as possible. You know, build as much muscle as possible. You will put on some fat, but you want to you know keep that, you know, in a, in a good place, and also that you're not having to lose you know thirty kilos after your your gaining phase. Yeah. Um, you know, get of of fat. Um, yeah, so I think that kind of wraps that up. Unless you have any yeah. closing thoughts,
2: No, just be methodical. Yeah, yeah. Same way you do a cut. You know, give yourself time. Plan the year out ahead of time. Roughly say that I'm going to grow. And I, you know, I say it's great. Yeah, you know, I always do it like Christmas in mind. Christmas is going <laughs> to be a grow period. You know, we're going to have a few fun meals thrown in, but we're going to keep these like, core base meals in between. But we know it's gonna be a bit more calories. You know, you were mini cut before you know your holidays or something. You know, it's it's slightly different in the southern hemisphere because you got to think you know where you know the sun's highest. So you mini cut before the Christmas period, then people (laughs) have a little break before Christmas, then we go over the Christmas period growing. Um, But yeah, just plan your year out ahead of time. Like yeah, plan a year for your growing at least. Go right. I'm gonna spend this year really focus on my growing i'm gonna have you know these months growing i'll have a little eight week you know well four to six week mini cut here could be eight whatever you need to get it done back to growing maybe another one at the tail end of the year there so the majority of the year is actually in calorie surplus yeah and then do the same following year you know
0: yeah, keep doing it i mean you can grow muscle at maintenance but it is very slow and it's not optimal so ideally you want to be in that surplus should have said that earlier but better late than never so yeah if you yeah if you don't if you're okay with taking absolutely years and years to grow muscle you know be your maintenance yeah. but
2: if you, but, you know, here's a thing though like surplus doesn't have to be a massive surplus Actually, no. it's over time it builds mm. yeah until your you know you, you're set values a lot higher the more muscle you add the easier that becomes to maintain the level of conditioning yeah
0: exactly so i really hope this is helpful and we will see you in our next episode